0: to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. I'm excited about the fact that we are in this Christmas at Freedom series, and we've been hearing a lot about joy, and you've just been hearing some some great teachings on that. We wanted to be encouraging over Christmas and really kind of uh, just uh, feed you with some life, and I'm super excited to hear uh, Shelby McGinnis speak this morning. Um, She's got a great message, so why don't y'all give her a hand as she comes and shares the word good morning morning. woohoo! so I get to talk about joy which is great because it's one of my favorite things Christmas is the best isn't it so I am excited because there are only eight days left it's almost over are you feeling crunchy you got all the gifts wrapped all the food bought prepped everything's going family's coming right? (laughs) Well, you've heard a lot over the last couple of weeks about joy. This just is the big thing this week, and we're going to do it one more time because it is so much fun, and I like joy. And so um, when my girls were babies, I had three little girls, and when they were babies and they were super excited about something, they'd say, let's do it one more again. (laughs) I was like, okay. So today we're going to do it one more again. We're doing joy again. Because babies are the best, right? Have you ever noticed that babies are the best? Even the little weird looking ones are awesome, <laughs> right? My grandson, my youngest grandson was born and he had hair that stuck straight up on end. It was the weirdest little thing. And we tried to grow his hair out long so that maybe you could like do the swoop with some gel. And it would, it would swoop and it looked really cute for about three and a half seconds. And then it would back up. So we cut it really short thinking if it's a buzz and it stands up, that's on purpose and it looks like it's planned. It didn't work so well. He looked like a little troll doll for about two years. (laughs) Then he finally grew out of it and he's very handsome now. But even though that was weird, we enjoyed it. We thought he was the most awesome looking kid ever. We thought he was fabulous because babies are the best, right? I, I just love them. So... Have you never noticed, has anybody ever seen an alligator baby? They're cute too, right? <laughs> little tiny little snub noses, and when they go, you're like, oh, isn't that cute? Look at your little teeth, <laughs> right? Puppies are adorable. They're little fuzzy hair. All babies are cute. It doesn't seem to matter what kind of baby it is. They are adorable, right? And what do babies do really? They spit up. They cry, they stay up all night long. They eat, they sleep, and it's kind of, you know, fill in diapers, that's their job, right? We don't mind. Oh, she spit up on me, she's so cute. <laughs> and you know, we pass off that little burp rag. She's a little gassy today. <laughs> that's okay, come here, give her to me. And when a baby looks at you and smiles, it's like, oh, look, the, the angels just saying. <laughs> right they are awesome and I don't know if you've noticed but Christmas is supposed to be about a baby right Jesus showed up as this perfect little creature that we all would adore on sight and have you noticed the way the world is going lately it's like somebody threw the baby in the back seat in the heat of summer and got out of the car and left him there right it's kind of how it is nowadays During Christmas time, it is a really busy time. There's dinner to plan, house to clean, lights to hang, gifts to buy, and not just gifts for your family, you have to have teacher's gifts, and then there's a million parties at work, and for everything you're involved in, those require gifts, so with all this shopping. And then you have to attend the party, you've gotta get dressed, and you've gotta figure out what you're gonna wear, and all the different things for all these stinking parties, right? It's exhausting. And it has to look like a Pinterest win. Yeah. You know, that tree must yeah. sparkle. Right? <laughs> and sometimes we are working so hard to make everything sparkle. Like my husband, my, my beloved, was, you know, you sit down on the couch to relax and enjoy all the work is finally done. And you look out the window and he's hanging off the side of the house wrapped in Christmas lights. Or he's nailed his hand to the wall outside with the little, you know, electric nail gun jobby. That happened twice. (laughs) Yeah. And then we have Christmas traditions. All those places we have to be. We like to go look at lights. We like to, at our house, we have cookie day. You know, everybody has their little family traditions that you like to do. The little stories, the memories that we make for our family. And Oftentimes, people feel like it's a burden after about two and a half weeks, three weeks of Christmas. We're like, man, I am done. Can we please hurry up and get through Christmas? I'm done shopping. I am over parties, and I cannot put one more sparkly shirt on, right? But Christmas was not meant to be a burden. Christmas was never designed to be a burden. It was a baby that was supposed to bring joy And I have news for you guys, Christmas was not made, it was born. Christmas was born. Christmas was not made by the hands of a man, not by the plans of a woman, not by a jolly man in a big fat red suit, or because a Grinch grew a great big heart. It was because the creator, they got together, the three of them, and decided that we were worth rescuing. And so they came up with this great plan that looked nothing like I would have designed. Because if I was doing it, he just would have walked out and been like, You're saved. No cross. (laughs) No pain. (laughs) He could have done that. But he showed up as a baby to win our hearts and show us who the creator is truly. The gentle, loving, and, and gracious, glorious side of Jesus. Not just the almighty, king, ruler, powerful guy. That some people used to know. The joy for me about knowing all that is that you can't mess Christmas up. If your tree is not just right, that is okay. Christmas is still gonna come. If you don't have all the gifts under the tree that you were kind of hoping for, it's okay. Christmas is still coming. Jesus was still born, the Savior has still taken care of everything, and it's okay in Matthew 2.10 it says when they saw the star they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and this is talking about the three kings the magi when they saw the star they were exceedingly great joy and that is the only time in the bible where it says exceedingly great joy there's great joy several times but exceeding great joy once one time and can you imagine that scene when all the angels are there, just hosts of angels. I don't know how many is in a host, but it sounds like a bunch, (laughs) right? Just angels everywhere you look in the sky all going, Now, I would swear that that happened when my children were born, but probably not. I did see a few, though. (laughs) Anyway, what can you imagine when they see this star that was so awesome Just a star. They haven't even seen the baby yet. They haven't started walking. And what on earth made these men decide they're going to walk seven to ten days to meet a baby? I am not walking seven to ten days for anybody. I love y'all, but no. We get in a horse or a car or, you know, something. These men walked. It was seven or ten, you know, I don't know, days to get to this child. And they follow this star, and they're thrilled, They're thrilled with exceeding, overabundant joy. So how do you get that? Right? Full to overflowing. What about the baby's entrance makes it valuable and worth it to do all that? They realized, basically, that the kingship transcended earthly realms. That was a realization that they had. This kingship was going to be different than all the other kings that were here. At that time, comets were interpreted as announcing both good and bad major events, and particularly the births and deaths of kings, important victories, or defeats in war. But what was so interesting to me is, is they were regarded as signs of major changes in the established order major changes in the established order so these kings know that they're the astrologists of the day they were very um, educated learned men and they knew something is about to change this star says whoever this kid is it's going to be a big deal so they're there that's why they walked because there was going to be a change in the established order And you know how we are as human beings. Anytime we hear there's going to be a big change in the established order, we already have a plan. Oh, I know what I want. We're going to get rid of that one, get this out of the way. We're going to line stuff up. It's going to get perfect. Jesus is going to take care of all that. He did not do that. (laughs) He did nothing because he never does things the way we think he should. Yeah, he never does. The Magi knew something big was going to change, but I bet they had opinions that were political or they had opinions that were personal or they had opinions that were judgmental, right? C.S. Lewis says it this way. The central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle either prepares the way for this or results from this. Every miracle in history before Jesus was born led up to his birth, and every miracle since is the result of it. Think about that. It's pretty incredible. For some of us, we've made joy an act of defiant expectation. Ooh, that is me. (laughs) I am going to be joyful no matter what. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> you come out, this morning I was putting on makeup and I'm like going to brush these eyebrows out. I don't even know what was on the brush and I got an eyebrow this big and black. like, what is that? And how do you get rid of it quickly? I've got to be, you know, someplace to be. That's the kind of stuff that happens the morning that you're going to stand here <laughs> and you got to be joyful. <laughs> so anyway, some of us, joy is just an act of aggression. We are just going to be as joyful as we can. And we spend all of our time and thoughts chasing these temporal things, trying to make ourselves joyful. I am going to have this relationship. I'm going to buy everything in the store. I am going to do what everybody else is doing so I can have joy. And unfortunately, it results in damage to our spiritual life. Because if we are chasing joy from temporal things, we are going to be let down. The result of our faith, hope, and love are going to be challenged. Like, I'm not joyful, so God must not be faithful. Mm. I'm struggling, so why hope? All my hope is out the window because I don't have it all together. I loved them, and they left me, so God probably will too. When our joy is being filled with feelings, circumstances, and people, our relationship with Jesus always suffers as a byproduct of our joy being unfulfilled by something that was never meant to fill it in the first place. What does complete joy look like? Perhaps one reason we have a hard time walking in joy is because we are only getting the veiled version of it. Mm. But I'm just going to tell you that one day our joy will be complete. If that's promised too. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Your joy is going to be complete. Feel the joy that you have now, and that's, that's great. But know that someday your joy will be complete. Christmas is the best time to embrace the joy of the hugest change in history, and you get to choose it. You can choose to be over there and be a bitter Betty, or you get to choose to be happy, and it's a choice. Once your joy is full, you might notice that there's some other aspects that follow joy, like little children, (laughs) the little three ducks in a row that follow you everywhere you walk. They just ride together in the car with a baby. And the first one is faith. So I'm going to challenge you to get up with faith. Okay? How many of us in the morning, and I can tell you, this is me for sure, I've started a new job, and I wake up at 3.30 in the morning. That alarm clock goes off, and I look over there, and it's like, (laughs) you know, pull the cover back over my head. My whole body goes into full revolt like we were not made for this. And then I get up. (laughs) sometimes the hardest thing you have to do that day is get out of bed just get motivated and get up I don't know what time your littles wake up on Christmas morning but my little beloveds woke up at 5 o'clock a.m. always always and so I would be asleep happily praising the Lord for good deep sleep and my babies would sneak ever so quietly into the living room to see what was there like a herd of elephants roaring (laughs) and I would lay in bed and listen to them scream and yell and dance around the tree and think oh that is so awesome why isn't it eight (laughs) o'clock in Luke 2 1 it says for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and I love that You read that so many times, and you kind of miss this important word because it's not important in the English language normally. For unto you is born. They didn't say unto Mary was born. She carried that child. She had to walk, work to deliver that baby. She gets no credit at all. It started way back then. (laughs) We just don't get the credit. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed the woman does all this work. She's sitting in this horrible, cramped little manger with a bunch of cow and, you know, whatever smells all around. And, you know, he gets all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus arrives and tells the shepherds, for unto you a Savior is born. And I don't know if you knew, but sa- uh, shepherds were horrible, lowly, awful people they were not welcomed in society because they were smelly and and they hung out with the animals the first thing he does is he tells the the shepherds come on this baby's for you he he lets the magi in on it the elite are welcome too but from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other all all can come and see this baby all So, for unto you, I'm telling you, you, this child was born for each and every one of us. Because, you know, if it happened today, it would be like, Mary had the baby. You ought to go see. He's cute. Hair sticking straight up. (laughs) The reason why it's so special is because a prophecy was fulfilled The people had been waiting for so long for this to be delivered, waiting for the Messiah to show up, and it was finally happening in their lifetime. How many of us wait for something forever? Like, you wait to drive. You start waiting to drive when you're, like, five years old. I'm never going to be 16. I'm never going to get to drive. And then finally it comes, and you're, like, running through the place like a maniac. Your picture's as goofy as all get up because you got your driver's license, right? Right? Because you're so excited. That's how these people felt. They were thrilled that their Messiah had finally come. And it happened in their lifetime where their eyes got to see it. It's incredible. And the other thing that's pretty cool is the fact that God keeps his promises. That means he keeps all of his promises. And he knows your name. It's written on his hand. Here are some promises in case you don't know any. Everything you put your hand to will be blessed. It says, the fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land, and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks are going to be blessed. You are blessed. Protection and power from your enemies. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you they will come at you from one direction and flee from you in seven amen that's a promise and if you're not reading these promises and starting to get something bubbling in your stomach like that's me guys that's where your joy comes from knowing what he says will happen you get to see it in your lifetime with your eyes here's another one that you are set apart the lord will establish you as his holy people Y'all are holy people. Sometimes the jacket's holy. As he promised you on oath, if you get, keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in obedience to him. That one, that promise comes with a little hinge. You've got your part to do too. But it is a promise. In Deuteronomy twenty-eight thirteen, it says, you are the head and not the tail, above and not below. Do you know that, that you are the head and not the tail? Do you know what that looks like? If you don't want to shout, I'm just going to tell you there is coffee out there. you all need to get that in between services, pump it up a little bit, feed that joy. This is where Christmas becomes intensely personal. It is not enough to say abstractly that you believe in God. that you believe Christ came because millions of people say that and they are still lost in their sin. Christ came for someone else. No, unto you, a child, was born. You can never be saved until you say Christ came for me. He died for me and he rose for me. So I'm going to tell you a little story because it's what I like to do. So two years ago, my husband was diagnosed as being in stage 3B kidney failure. It was a surprise because all the tests that he had had previously were fine. He was normal and we were celebrating that he was doing so well. And then suddenly, he's not just like in kidney failure, he's like at in-stage kidney failure. (laughs) We're like, (laughs) what happened? So we're going through all of his things, trying to figure out where we went wrong and what is the deal. And, you know, me as his wife, I'm thinking, oh my Jesus, I'm not ready to lose my husband. You know, this is not cool. I don't want to live through dialysis and all the things that go with that. And my husband is not a fan of being in the doctor's office every day anyway. So we lived a year that way, just really concerned. And every blood test, we were like, oh, please let it be okay. And it wasn't. Every time, yeah, no, you're still there, it's looking bad. And then a year after that, we go in for the routine exam, and we're doing all the blood work and looking at stuff, and they say, you know, I think we need to send you out for an MRI. Things are looking pretty bad, and we need to see what's happening. So we go, and we take the test, and it turns out he has cancer. like, great, (laughs) that on top of everything else. So as we're going into the treatment phase and deciding what plan they're going to do for him, you have to factor in that... He's in kidney failure. Where his tumor was, the, the normal treatment for that would be just to take the kidney. And it's just solved, all good, not so bad. However, because he was in stage 3B failure, if they took that kidney, he's done. He'd have no function. So they have to devise this plan that's going to keep him functioning, and get rid of the cancer. So they do this thing called an ablation. They go in, oh, no, ma'am, come back here. Um, They do an ablation where um, they're just gonna go in and try and burn out everything that they can and knock it back, and we're gonna hope for the best and see what happens, that way, if everything goes well, he keeps his kidney and he gets to live, yay and if not, we'll figure out another plan from there. And it seems fairly simple. We go through it, it went pretty well, everybody said good things, and we wait. We have to wait for months to see what happens. And in the meantime, of course, he gets to feel like garbage and, you know, and I get to worry that, oh gosh, oh, what's gonna happen with my husband? Well, we had our appointment on Thursday, and this is the appointment that I've been dreading forever. It's the one where they give you the damage report and say, okay, so this was the good thing, but this is all the damage that that treatment did, so we're going to have to now do this. So I walked in there just kind of like ready to hear, oh, here we go again, more treatment, more this, more that. And the doctor said, got some really great news for you. My, your husband is at 100% function. Woo! <laughs> and the tumor's been knocked back far enough that we're not going to have to worry about that for a few years probably. <laughs> Y'all, God keeps his promises, and that should give you some joy. And I'm not up here bragging because I think we're so special. We ain't special at all except for the short bus kind. <laughs> it's just us. What he does for me, he will do for you. The reason why we tell these stories is because it builds your faith. And see God do something here, then he will do it there. Right? It's amazing what you can see a man live through and and then encourage the rest of the guys around him. It's amazing to see a woman walk through fire and then all the other women are like, go! That's what we're here to do in this house, to encourage one another. Ooh, about to lose my notes. So essentially what I'm telling you guys is faith is trusting that God is going to take care of everything. Even the weird stuff, even when things don't make sense. In our story, Mark's story, the coolest part is, is if he had not been in kidney failure and they had to do all these weird extra steps to save that kidney, he wouldn't be whole today. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that horrible season in your life that you are so uncomfortable with and you hate every day is what is going to be that delivers you yeah. from the real problem that you don't even know is ahead of you right? Jesus is going to keep his promises every single detail and when he does it is not going to look like you thought it should have that I can promise you it never looks right if I was going to be Jesus and lay, it would be a straight line we're going to go from here we're going to get there everybody's going to shout hallelujah and whoop. we're good that is not how God plays However, at the end, you find yourself very grateful, yeah. right? Not for all the un- unexpected kinks, but the fact that he has a purpose mm-hmm. in every detail and that your hindsight is 2020, and you can see everything that he's done for you. Yeah. Yeah. I often hear that God is faithful when people get what they want. Have you ever noticed that? God's so faithful. And I listen to it and I always think, People are making it sound like God is faithful when you get what you want. I want a new car. i got a new car. God is faithful. That is not what they're saying. It's not how it works. God is faithful because he walks with you every single day in that dark and ugly season when you're freaking out and you don't know how you're going to pay for this or how you're going to figure that out. And God is with you then because he's with us. Emmanuel right? That's who he is. Not because he gave me whatever. I grant you, I'm very grateful I get to keep my husband. That is a plus. But God was faithful when I was walking through those freak out days when I was thinking, oh my God, I'm going to lose him. He was with me. It says in Matthew 123, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel is God with us. We all know that. It's not his name. He never went by that name, right? It is just the role that he would fulfill in our lives. He's with us. He was born, he came, he stayed, he left, and he's still here with us every day. I don't know what God has planned for you, and I don't know what's in your life, what kind of tragedies or triumphs you get to live through. But what I do know is it's going to be great. It's gonna be great, and that's worth getting up, right? Number one is dress up in hope. My number one point is get up, dress up. Not like wearing a prom dress. I'm not talking about wearing a prom dress to Christmas dinner. Dressing up is not wearing a prom dress. Hope is a word that we throw around a lot, but what does it really mean, hope? The dictionary has two definitions for hope. The first is expected. A feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. I hope I'm going to get a new car before I die. I hope that my kids are going to do well. I hope, right? We hope for all kinds of things. But the second definition is pretty cool. A feeling of trust. Pretty cool, huh? What allows us to carry desires in our hearts and expect them to happen? It's because there is something or someone that we know that can make that so. And then the next question is always, is he going to do it for me? Right? Will God do that for me? And not only does he, will he do it for you, he wants to. He wants to do it for you. Just waiting on you. Have you ever had a situation in your life that was completely hopeless? And I'm not talking about like, oh, it feels kind of hopeless. I'm talking about it's dead. It's dead in the water and nothing is coming back from this. Have you ever had that situation in your life and you look at it and you think, oh, this is not going to work? Then you're with the wrong people. Because you're supposed to have somebody in your life that speaks into your life and says, hey, it's going to be okay. That's what we're here for, for each other. Get in touch with others. Don't remain isolated as we often do. You need support and encouragement, and you need to call someone who cares. Reach out. And at this point in time, I'm going to plug the D groups. Get in a D group. Right? Right? This is what this does. You can see each other on Sunday mornings and you can think, oh, she's kind of interesting. I might want to get to know her. But you don't actually get to until you sit down with somebody and talk to them and learn who they are and find out. That's what a D group is. Okay? Get into a D group. (laughs) They're vital because they're not just going to build deep relationships. They're going to build faith-building relationships that are going to help you get through the days that you need. Is there hope in the world? Do you feel or see hope in the world? There is genuine hope that can bring joy back to you and refresh you and bring you lasting peace. It invaded the world 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. And if you want that hope to invade your life, we have to do what the shepherds did so long ago. We have to go and bow down before the Savior we have to say praise to the newborn king. It's available, hope is available, but only to those who are going to humble themselves and learn to trust the Lord. Matthew Gallagher, an associate professor of clinical psychology at the University of Houston, that's a mouthful, says, not only does it make life more enjoyable, but hope also provides resilience against things like post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideolation. Hope offers chemical benefits, too, in the form of endorphins and lower stress levels. Things experts say make people more productive. You want to be productive? Get hopeful. We are made new to become hope dealers that influence our environment around us. That's who we are. We're little hope dealers. Do you realize that your presence in a room changes the atmosphere? It does. Have you ever had that person walk in the room and you're like, (laughs) Right? That person? You know, you can be the other one where they go, Ah, she's here. That's your job. You're a hope dealer. Wherever our foot touches can be the place that we bring some hope or some joy or some Jesus and Luke 2, 12, 14 says, And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Hosts of angels. Can you imagine that vision? I think about those things. There was a host of angels with Mary and Joseph and Jesus. This demonstrates to me, probably to Mary too cuz girls we think alike, that Jesus provide I mean that God, God is providing. Yeah. There were gifts for him to take care of his future. Yes. There were cheerleaders standing up saying glory to God in the highest. If Jesus sends you somewhere, there's going to be a whole team with you. You are never alone. You are going to be successful in whatever plan he has assigned to you. You've got hosts. And that is worth getting up for. (laughs) Okay, next one. Show up with love. Show up with love. How many of you have that family member that makes you not show up with love? You show up with, (laughs) she's coming, right? Oh, Lord, here they come. I'm going to have to talk and be nice. Hello. Yes, we all have that person. If if you don't know who it is, it's probably you. (laughs) (laughs) Corinthians 13.7 says, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstances. Every circumstance. We have a lot of places to be this year at this time of year. And we get tired. How many of you are tired? No. Yeah. <laughs> Family's difficult sometimes, but if you show up with love, instead of annoyance or irritation or oh here she comes, you might be able to change the whole dynamic of your family. In First jo- uh, Corinthians thirteen, thirteen says, "And now these three remain: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love." Do you know why the greatest is love? The first two are self-centered, faith and hope. You're building your faith. You're building your hope so you can be fabulous. But love is outward. You are loving other people who may not like you, who may not deserve it, who may love you to the moon and back. It doesn't really matter. It's the same for you either way. Did you know that in the Bible, love is not an emotion at all? Never once in the Bible is it mentioned as an emotion. It is a promise that you are going to take that person that you have promised to love and put all their needs, expectations, and desires above yours. So when you love your kids, you are putting their needs first. And that's second nature, right? It's easy to sacrifice for your children. But what about for that irritating family member Mm -hmm. that you love, Mm -hmm. right? Is it easy to sacrifice your expectations? Like, I expect to walk into the house, I expect dinner to be ready, the house to be clean, the children to be well-groomed, right? And then you walk in, it's like, oh, anything but that. There's chaos everywhere, there's spaghetti on the ceiling, the husband's like, ah, you know, right? Because that's real life. (laughs) You've got to learn how to love through whatever. It's a decision- In every relationship, a friend relationship, that is Christ-centered, if you're doing it right. And if you were to love these people in your family and in your circle and those around you, can you imagine how many people you could keep out of jail? (laughs) The enemy has tricked a lot of people into thinking that love is an emotion— And if you're not feeling it, then it ain't real. Ooh, I'm not feeling loved anymore, so I'm going to leave this uh, marriage. I'm not feeling loved, so that kid is just a pain in the neck and they're out. Right? That prodigal is not coming home for Christmas today because they can't behave themselves. It's crazy that we do that, and it's crazy that we're letting the enemy win that way Cause I can't even decide what I want for dinner my moods change back and forth my husband will ask me at noon what do you want for dinner and I'm like tacos and then it gets closer to dinner and I don't want tacos I want ice cream <laughs> right we can't even make up our mind about dinner but we're going to lay it in concrete about love that's insanity that's why the devil's winning What if we actually started making others a priority in our life and making others first instead of waiting on a fuzzy feeling? And I'm going to tell you, of course, Jesus is the one we're trying to behave like. He's who we're trying to be like. And um, he showed us love in a way that maybe you haven't thought about. In John 15, 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. What did Jesus give up on his way to the cross? Think about it. What did he give up? For love. He gave up his popularity. Popularity in your teenage years is extremely important. People strive for popularity. He gave that up. And you guys, he drew a crowd. He was popular. He gave up his will and cried and sweated blood and tears doing it because our will is hard he gave up his ministry how many of y'all are willing to do that that's my ministry I worked hard for that he gave up success he was a successful pastor people's lives were changed every day in his presence and he gave that up for you he gave up his identity he gave up his identity of God to become a man he gave up respect as people spit on him and humiliated him. He gave up his glory. Would you? He gave up with his closeness with his father and sat in the darkness for a time. He gave up his fear. He gave up his friends. They scattered like roaches. He gave up his pride. And let's face it, men don't part with their pride very easily. And he gave up his right to a fair trial, to be heard. Because he was so full of love for us that these things just did not matter anymore. And what are you willing to give up for your people, for the people in your life, in your group, for your children, for your parents? We're coming to the close of this year very soon, guys. 2023 is just about done. Another year is coming right on its heels because they just keep coming. I believe that it's time for the fog to lift off of the people of God. I believe that it is time for the weariness to be shaken off. No more, it's tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. It's time for that to stop. We're not tired anymore. We're full of hope, we're full of joy. It's time to face this new unknown year with joy. With a faith that is so strong that we don't go alone into the unknown. And it is time for us to understand that new hope and miracles are waiting for us as we walk into this new place to make sure that the people around us aren't lost. Don't leave anyone behind. I mean, that's the military's thing. Leave no man behind. And Christians are like, man, you bad. Get out. We're walking, right? It is time to get up and stop being asleep. Wake up. It is time to dress up in the Word of God, in the righteousness and the glory and the Spirit of the Lord. And it is time to show up. Show up. Quit pretending like you are so important that you have other important places to be. And show up for the people around you. In the name of Jesus, show up. Because now our great joy is with us to the end of the age. And it's just going to continue to get bigger. It's going to continue to get better as the veil drops and we get to see the glory of the Lord in full. Can you imagine that? Day? At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.